the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin, great to be with you. Hope you had a great weekend. So much happening in this country. It's amazing, and we're here to cover a bunch of it. We'll have some great guests, as always, but don't forget... Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for the daily email. It comes in your email box at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time if you're listening, and pass it on to friends. Get them all involved because the daily email is what you need to know, what you need to know in a daily email. It includes a few articles that you want to see, a few points I want to make, and usually a clip from this program. Uh, but uh, no matter what, what you need to know is where you want to go for the morning email. But now... I'll tell you what you need to know uh, here on this program and walk you through something. It's very important. You're probably picking up on this, uh, but I want to identify it. I, I, I started to – I started to – I prepared for the program and I thought, well, I really want to talk about immigration and the problem of illegal immigration, what's happening, what I'm seeing on that. And I thought that's important. And then I thought, well, I also want to talk about um, what I'm seeing in terms of the media. There's been a terrible uh, – again – uh, meet the Press has done terrible, terrible lying to America. And I thought, I got to talk about it. And I just said, no, wait a second. I've got to get focused on what I really need you to know. What you need to know today is so important. And I'm going to tell you about it. It doesn't mean we're going to resolve it today. In fact, you're not going to see much on this. But I'm just telling you it's coming. You remember when I told you about the second Cold War, the China thing, we would start to hear everyone talking about it. That was months before everybody else caught up on uh, on what we were talking about. But here's what you need to know today. It's so important. I'm beginning – I have been hearing this for a week or so, and over the weekend, it went to a sort of high crescendo, a loud crescendo, it escalated up, and that's this. Our schools are in trouble. Now, you say to yourself, well, what do you mean, Ed? I mean, you know, what, our schools are in trouble. Is it just because Governor Newsom is being a nuisance? Is it because – what is it, the problem? Well, first of all, it, it's a pandemic. We have this pandemic that's hit us, right, the Wuhan virus. And there's all kinds of ways and reasons we could go – wish we could go back in time and change the dynamic. But we are where we are. And the simple fact is it's going to be with us for a while. And the simple fact is, it's not just the flu. It's got other characteristics. It spreads more easily. It's got a, probably doesn't have much of a higher fatality rate, but it's got some problems associated with it. But kids don't get it. That's, you know, the kids don't seem to get sick too much. Although every now and then you hear one of the kids get really sick and it's terrifying. But the fact is that it's not going to be a factor for our kids. You're not going to get a hundred kids in a school of a thousand sick. The problem is the kids can carry it home to grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and neighbors and all. And we're going to live with that. But here's the problem with our schools. The media and the left which want, who want the, the groups that want to damage this president and make it so that his economy, our economy and our lives are upset. They're united in terrorizing us. So our schools, what you're hearing now from people is not, oh, you know, I'm glad to hear my teachers and my school system are going to go charging back, figure out how to do this. These are smart, talented people with lots of uh, ideas. They're going to go for it. No, you're mostly hearing the school system saying you can't make us teach your kids. We don't want to get sick. 
over and over again you hear that. Not not everyone. Let me be clear. There's lots of great teachers out there. Lots of people that love teaching as their uh, sort of vocation. It's what they believe in their hearts that they're doing. But a lot of other people are just simply saying, we're going to be talking about how we're protecting ourselves. Now, again, here's my point. It doesn't matter why. What matters is the school systems are shutting down. And they're going to fail at their attempt to teach. They're not going to be able to do distance learning. They're not going to be able to do part-time well. I'm just describing what I can see coming. And the crisis for families is going to be absolutely catastrophic. It's going to be profoundly uh, a profound crisis. And here's why. Many, many families, in fact, I don't know the numbers, but I'd probably say most, meaning more than 50%, have to have the family structure where the parents or parent can go to work. They're not, a, they're not capable of managing full-time uh, stay-at-home students. And second, it's starting to stress out the people who are caring for their kids, loving on their kids. Usually it's mom, but not always. Could be grandma, could be grandpa, could be dad, could be mom and dad. But they're starting to say, this is really bad for the kids. And what the left and the, and the, and the education establishment is doing is they're raising the hysteria quotient. So, you know, you're getting these stories where eight-year-old children are going to be wearing a face mask all day, including a shield, a face shield. Well, how's that going to work? And the first time that somebody in October gets a, gets, a, a, gets a bug, you know, the common cold and starts sneezing and coughing, what happens? Are they put on quarantine? Are they sent home? Is the school on quarantine? What's going to happen? My point here is that the media and the left is in cahoots to cause chaos, now, that doesn't mean that I have all the solutions, nor do you, I'm sure. But it means that we ought to see what's coming. Because this is going to cause a strain on us that's different than the first time around. The first time around, when we had to go distance learning, a lot of us thought it was not very good, not good enough. But we were you know, kind of willing to say, well, you know, this thing hit and I don't know, you know, uh, April 1st or April 5th, 5th or whatever, you know, whatever the magic date you want to say where it hit. And we just had to shut everything down. And it's, you know, everybody's learning from it. So, you know, we were all, even if we were frustrated, less judgmental because it was so dramatic. Now, it feels like we've had months and months and months to get ready and nobody's going to be ready Nobody's going to be ready. And when I tell you this, it's not that we should be depressed. We shouldn't be depressed. We should be excited. We should be optimistic. We should be thinking and figuring out what to do and how to do it. But we shouldn't be sugarcoating it. We're being set up as a society for, by the, the teachers union, the establishment of the, of the education establishment, and the media for a real crisis. And it's going to be a crisis of our reality. And it's going to be a crisis of our mind. Because they're trying to crush our spirits. They really are. They may not sit there and say, I want to crush their spirits. But what they're doing will be crushing on our spirits. And, and when it comes to kids, people get hot. People get upset, right? You don't get – if you're jerking me around over something, you know, my work or my travel or, you know, something, it bothers me and I get upset and so do other people. But if you start messing with people's kids – it's going to get really choppy really fast. It's going to get really ugly really fast. Now, a couple things. One is right now, 
they're negotiating some sort of spending bill up on Capitol Hill that is supposed to be, uh, you know, helping people that are stuck and helping some businesses. Included in that is some school choice money, some money that could be used to get people out of the school systems they're trapped in. I don't believe it will be enough, but it'll be a start. It'll be something that sends a signal, a positive signal, in a way that's probably helpful. And uh, uh, and and I think um, I, I think that's going to be a good thing. It'll also uh, be really smart that it's coming out now. People will feel better about it. Uh, and I think the the reality is we don't. Um, know what's coming yet and if here's what here's what I want to say about it is if we start talking about it and saying how we don't want it to go bad how we don't want it to be so uh, terrible we can start to change the dynamic and maybe maybe make make people adjust right and get our schools saying no no we're going to go figure it out we're going to figure it out we're going to adjust and figure it out we're just going to get there Right. Or we're going to carve out spaces because one of the problems I see is that what happens when a school district like L.A. and San Diego and Fairfax County, Virginia, where I live now, when they start to come up with their decisions, other school districts fall in behind them. And then the policymakers want to force private schools into the same kind of thing. So you're hearing that Newsom may, you know, may have rules for private schools because he can regulate any gathering over X amount of people. My point is, if you're going to regulate. Carve out the private schools. Carve out private settings. Let people get free uh, and make the decisions for themselves. I think that's the right move. So what you need to know today is schools and our kids are at the heart of what you should see as a deeply threatening, deeply unfair, and scary situation. Now, later on the program, you know, I've changed this up. I do what you need to know, the wink, the daily wink. And then at the end of the show, I do what you need to do. What you need to do today is a very different. It's not exactly related to this topic only, but it's, it is in a sense. If you go to phyllisschlafly.com, that's my website for my organization, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, phyllisschlafly.com slash Congress. You will see it's an it's a it's a service of the of the U.S. Congress. You can put in your zip code and you can identify who your congressman is. What you need to do today, just one thing, go there, enter your zip code, and find out who your congressman is. Just do that. Find out who it is, he or she, who represents you, member of Congress, because we got to see if those people are any good, and we need to know if they have to be replaced. So do that, okay? All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. we got great guests. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is, of course, uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker, the New York Times bestselling author, who is also a professor of the youth at Defiance College and himself has lived all over the world. Welcome back, Dr. Decker. How are you? Okay, I'm getting lots and lots and lots of email spam uh, looking for money for the election. (laughs) Yeah. Must must be getting close. (laughs) That's right. I I, I have to say, I I, I don't know. You could tell me. I don't remember it it being this insane. I mean, I must get five, seven, eight, nine texts a day, and I'm like, this is driving me nuts, and I'm, you know, into it. So is it worse now? Is that right? I guess it is, huh? Well, you know, the president himself emailed me this morning saying he was disappointed he didn't get my twenty-five dollars. So I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling like I've been getting a lot, a lot of high-quality attention. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. All right. Now, listen, I need to ask you, you you were you cut your teeth as a journalist, uh, of course, a Wall Street Journal reporter over in Asia, uh, also at The Washington Times and have seen a lot. You were on the USA Today editorial board uh, of advisors, I think it's called. And so I want to ask you about this. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, over the weekend, I guess Friday, maybe or whenever she released it, said she did, in fact, have a recurrence of cancer, et cetera, et cetera. Well, but what became clear over the weekend was she actually found the cancer and maybe in February, really knew she was had the recurrence in, I don't know, March, April, and didn't say anything and kept everybody in the dark until this weekend. I guess the first question, is there any, is there any, should we have an expectation that we be told the truth? Or is it just, you know, people are, I mean, told the whole truth by a, mem- a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, first off, or, or is it something that should be off limits? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, when, when you have so much power in the hands of the courts now, right? I mean, right, basically they they change the country on a whim or on an idea. Um, I, I think we do need to know, and I, I you know, I, I think I think it's unrealistic to think that you know justices or federal judges can just sit on Mount Olympus and they're untouchable. You know, they they basically have no um, no kind of like corruption laws. So like, if you want to give a justice a car, you can, nobody knows about it. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So they don't, they're free from all the usual regulations um, and, and public exposure of, of other public officials. And I just think with the, with the power that they have in their hands, uh, this, it's just not, it's not a good idea in this day and age. I, We're I done with Dr. Think, Brett. An- I personally think Go ahead. Keep the, Ginsburg's probably been dead for two or three years, and we don't know, it, right? They <laughs> just put her up there or whatever, so I don't know. But, the, you know, they tell well, us she uh, went to the moon a long time ago, too. So oh, here we go. That's right. Here we go. Now we're going to really get into it. Uh, yeah, but I, I, here's, here's what I think. Even, it's a funny, it's a counterintuitive observation. As we're all living longer, and it's extraordinary, you know, the baby boomers right now, this year, are turning 75, the front end of the baby boomers. And as my wife would say, they're not, they're not going to be, they're not normal 75. They're going to be healthier. They have more income. They're going to live. They're not going to hit the sort of senior problems for 10 more years. But, so we're going through this incredible time where we have longer lives and longer productivity. And, you know, it's extraordinary to see. And we have two 75-year-old plus guys running for president. But I got to say, the more you see this, the more you say, you know what, I don't know why an 87-year-old is still on the U.S. Supreme Court. To your point, Dr. Brett M. Decker, they're the most powerful people in the world, certainly the unelected most powerful people in the world, but they're probably the top 15 most important people in the world are the the nine Supreme Court justices, you know, and then the president and the speaker of the House, whatever. So it kind of, in a way, I think this is making the argument that, hey, we ought to have some kind of age limit on serving on the Supreme Court. What do you think? Uh, I think it's not a bad idea. You know, I used to be against term limits, especially for legislators. Like, why, why, can there, why should there be a law to tell me who I can and can't vote for? But I, I'm even for that now because Congress is so irresponsible and out of control that it can't get worse by just switching people in and out of the seats, you know, having a little more of a, mm-hmm. a revolving door in the office, even more so in these judges. I mean, I think the thing is it really goes to their head. Once they know I can just stay here until I expire, they can think all kinds of crazy things. They're suddenly unmoored from the political base that put them in that position. So, you know, maybe you have an age limit, maybe you have a term limit, or maybe to extend a term, um, some countries you can get another term, but you have to be go through the approval process again, right? Like 
every six years or 10 years or something. I think anything like that to make justices or judges accountable is a good idea because right now they're accountable to no one. And right. I mean, look at look, almost nothing. This country has changed so fundamentally in the last 50 years. It's unrecognizable. Almost none of that passed Congress. Right. in the supposedly Republican, uh, a small R Republican system. It's just judges changing the country against the will of the people. And somehow that has to be restrained. We know Republicans in Congress don't have the guts, don't have the fort- internal fortitude to um, impeach any judges, right? So I think we need to look for some other uh, some other way of doing it. Because, I mean, right now the country is just, right, it's unrecognizable. And um, there, there has to be recourse of some kind to address address that kind of thing since the democratic system not work. We're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. I, I agree. I, the question is, um, it would take constitutional amendment, I think, to change it. And so, you know, the will would shift, I think, pretty quickly, and it'd be difficult to see. Um, we're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the Supreme Court. You know, the, the left is complaining because uh, Chief Justice Roberts took a fall during a walk a few months ago and spent a night in the hospital. Of course, he has had some heart issues, I think, or some health issues. And, and again, in a normal setting, as you, as you just said, if it was just normal people, do I have the right to know the heart condition of a member of Congress? Probably not. But if you're one of the nine people that's basically running the whole darn country half the time because of the power of the court, maybe. Um, well, let me shift gears, though. We're talking again with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Uh, Dr. Decker, uh, what's your sense of the uh, sort of the, the management? A lot of, starting to be a lot of complaints on all sides about couldn't we have done better with the Wuhan virus? You know, and it's always one of these things where you face a, I remember vividly, I was chief of staff to the governor of Missouri. I was calling some er, other governors, assist, uh, chiefs of staff and saying, any advice, any advice? And one of them said, here's one thing I'll tell you. You won't be ready for the thing you're not ready for. And he was joking. But, you know, you're going to get a, a flood or an earthquake or a, 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 a massive uh, accident or something. So here we are with a pandemic. Uh, but how do you politically manage, you know, half the people on the left are saying you didn't do enough, Trump. Half the people on the right are saying I'm so sick of all the rules that are being pushed on me. Is it just one of these things where it's a no win situation? Well, definitely you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? If you if you put on too many regulations, too many uh, controlling uh, structures on people, and then the thing just disappears in, in a month, well, you did too much. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that and then it keeps spiraling out of control, um, you haven't done enough. But I think there are two, there are two factors that are really important here. Is um, One, I mean, the left has really made it impossible to know what the truth is by always going overboard on on everything, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. this idea, like, you go through and say a bunch of things that turn out not to be true, like, after hearing the sky is falling so many times, when it eventually does fall, you're just laughing at it because you, you've been kind of faked out so many times. And I think the other thing is the way they've been, the, the unremitting attacks on the president for, like, three and a half years, like, he didn't even have a week of a honeymoon. Like right. the fact right. that he distrusts the bureaucratic system shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because you have people in the government trying to displace him from power from day one. So you know, it's kind of this beast that's been um, sort of uh, created by the deep state that, that, that set the stage for this kind of impossible situation. 
Yeah, and, and the, but but the the problem is, as you say, when no matter what you you you, you sort of lose for trying. I mean, uh, you know, when early on when Fauci said don't close the borders from China, Trump said I ignore the the uh, the expert and I do it anyway. Clearly save lives. When Fauci said masks don't work, which Fauci said in uh, February and March, Trump said Trump said okay, I agree with you. Turns out masks do have some effect. I don't know, right? So back and forth you go, and and you know you sort of can't win for trying. The only the question I have though is uh, is the economy directionally going to be going up so that it feels like we're back on track? What's your best thinking on that right now? I mean, right now, I think, I th- I think the danger is it, it's, it's going to start faltering again because it looks like, right, people are going, people are starting to gradually put more um, lockdowns in place, right, or or open it, they're, they're starting to repeal some of the opening up that was happening. And I, and I think the other thing that kind of spooks the stock market is for over three years until this situation, like the president was on a roll. The economy was going well. Deregulation was working. Tax cuts were putting money into the economy. Um, and, and he was confident and strong. He's really been knocked off his game by this virus. And, and sometimes he does look a little too willy nilly, like he's shooting from the hip. Like, People want to see a calm hand um, on the, uh, you know, right. on the rudder right now, and and I think he needs to sort of reorient his uh, image a little bit to, to to give that reassurance, and that'll help. Well, us, that'll so help hey, the, hey, the stock he's he's going to sit. He's going to start doing the the. Uh, did you hear this? He's going to start doing the daily briefings on the on the Wuhan virus tomorrow, Tuesday at five p.m. Is that good? I think he needs to do a little more prep and think about his message a little more. Some of these interviews I've been watching, it looks like he's going in there uh, without without doing any prep. And that's it's not the time to be kind of uh, uh, going at this thing too too casually, you know. And I, I think mm-hmm. I think he needs to start taking it a little more seriously and putting a little work in. Yeah. All right. Dr. Brett M. Decker criticizing the president of the United States. Why not? He is, after all, a New York Times bestselling author. Thank you, Dr. Decker. We'll talk again soon. Uh, We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, a very interesting man. I've read his uh, stuff, know his biography, know his background. His name is Ken LaCourt. And Ken uh, was, for many years, a top executive at Fox News. He was actually hired in there by Roger, Roger Ailes, the late Roger Ailes. And Ken worked there for many years. And he, um, he you know, has a perspective. You know, people think Fox News is a, is a behemoth now. Well, it was a startup. They had to go build it up. And so it wasn't as quite as simple as it may look, uh, uh, I guess, on TV, and he now heads the Media Action Network. The Media Action Network. Go to MediaActionNetwork.com, and you'll see. It's very cool, actually. It's really, uh, uh, well, we'll talk to him about it. So first of all, welcome, Ken, to the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Ed. Thank you for having me. Well, and so first, tell us about uh, Media Action Network. Uh, Walk us through what you're doing there, what you're seeing, why people need to check it out. You know, so so I have a love-hate love, love hate relationship with, with liberal bias in the, in the news media. 
I mean, I worked at Fox uh-huh. News as a, as a, for probably just under 20 years. And media bias allowed us to find a niche that we was roughly half the country. Uh, it, it, it bought my house. It, it bought my cars. It did everything <laughs> for me. But, but I'd say in the last handful of years, really, I'd say maybe two or three years before Trump was elected, and, and I think it was pushed a lot by the Internet, we're going right back to the days of what we read about with yellow journalism days from the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, and we literally have seen the media go from being biased to just being outright players in the political world. You know, they used to be referees. And so, you know, hey, politicians lie, politicians spin. And then you could see the, the NBC guy there saying, okay, here's kind of the truth on it. And mm-hmm. there was a little bias, but, but nothing like it is now. And so we established this, and, and we just, just launched this uh, within the past month, really as, as a way to say, I'm tired of whining about liberal media bias. I actually want to do something to stop it. And mm-hmm. we do things. We have, we have three, three quick slogans. It's, it's a, it is expose the, the, the guys who are still pretending like they're neutral and aren't. It's protect the people mm-hmm. that they continually that they continually victimize and twist around and have seem to do with impunity. Then the third thing is going to be longer, but it's building up conservative media. You know, as that media went nutty and decided to be be hardcore liberals and some hardcore Republicans, you know, conservatives are are looking at a at a national media that's eighty five to fifteen. Uh, against them, and that's probably being generous. And we need to balance that if we want to have, if if, if we want to have a fair discussion and narrative going on in America. And we don't have that right now. We're talking with Ken Lacord, and, and Ken was, is the founder of MediaActionNetwork.com. It's really worth checking out. You can sign up. At, there's a pop-up on there when you get on. I, I signed up myself recently, and he was a longtime executive with Fox News, and he, he's talking about trying to get the bias out of uh, uh, media, which you all everybody hears me talk about on this program a lot. But, Ken, let me, let me pu- pull back for one second. I, you know, I did a stint. You wouldn't know, but I'll tell you. I did a stint at CNN as a contributor. They flew me up to Columbus Circle in New York City for about six months until they got rid of me because I was too good at arguing as a conservative. So, But I, I went up there and I and I was I was up in the, in the in the New York City for three or four days a week and I was only was on in the evening on Anderson Cooper's show so I'd, I'd wander around and see everybody. I was struck, which you will know, by how much money is in uh, these cable networks. Even if they're losing share, losing thing, they're still they're still printing money and they were using the money to figure out what was the most effective way to communicate. And I don't mean like a jingle. I mean like almost neuroscience level that they were they're they're getting you hopped up. Up on a story so that you'll come back to get unhopped and they'll hop you up again, you know, and they're and they really are. If the big tech is doing that all the time and we don't even see it, cable news is doing it as much as they can, and you can see it if you watch the news. How big a problem is is sort of that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads used to be the joke and you knew what it meant. Now it's like if you can get a third of the country or twenty percent to be hysterics, you got CNN's audience, and in some ways you got Fox News's audience, right? So if that's a problem too. Too, right, but that that I think is probably the fundamental driver of what we're seeing here. Look, it's partially that, and it's partially you know the, the politics that, that the media had going into this thing. I mean, you know, they most reporters on the national scale now really see themselves as you know I'm living in 1936 Germany, and I'm the only thing between Trump, Hitler, and the American people. But let me give you one small example of what you talked about, like using technology. At foxnews.com, we would get an article, and we would 
we would have the writers, the headline writers, put in multiple headlines in, into, into the computer right. system. And some of those would be a little bit more salacious than others. And, you know, you had to kind of make sure that people weren't going overboard just from a human standpoint. But then the computer, the first few thousand people who came onto the site, they would, they would be randomly served up somebody's the headline on the one story. Whatever it noticed was getting the highest click-through rate, that's the one that it would then serve up to the rest of the millions who would see that headline through the rest of the day. So, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have that kind of technological impetus in the, in the, uh, in, in the evening shows. They're looking strictly at ratings. They look at it on a minute-by-minute basis and see what is, right. you know, oh, let's stop talking about this. Let's start talking about that. And, and certainly right. that, the huge money, it's all driving to this, this craziness that we're seeing. And so, look, we have. We're talking with you know, Americans have. Yeah, go ahead. Have, you know, we're partially responsible for this, right? I mean, if we clicked on yeah. on fair, truly fair and balanced headlines and not the nutty stuff, that's what they'd be giving us. But we don't. We like, oh my gosh, Trump is either horrific <laughs> or or wonderful. Right, right. Insert your adjective. Right. All right. So again, we're talking with Ken Lacord, and I'm going to run out of time. So, but I want to say it again: MediaActionNetwork.com. Go there and check it out. But Ken, I, I got when I was uh, connected with you to have you on the show. One of the things that was um, was interesting was the cancel culture, right? And and the phrase that was used was the cancel culture mob. And and the example was the Goya Latino food, which I thought was a perfect example. They tried to go after the Goya uh, CEO and say he said something nice about Trump, and instead, for a change, conservatives slash Trump. Trump supporters said, well, we'll fix that. And they bought more Goya food than we've ever seen. Walk us through. Is that a is that a change in the cancel culture? Uh, can we are we turning a corner or is it as it, you know, kind of just a one off? You know, it's too early to really say. I mean, this one was a perfect one because it was a couple things. One is. Had that dude been some white guy who was who was uh, had an insurance company, yeah. the yeah. wouldn't have gone yeah. after him. Right. It was a racially based event that they did. I mean, they were literally targeting this guy because he was Hispanic and Hispanics can't think that way. Secondly, that guy had cojones. All right. He didn't, he didn't go down and start blubbering and crying. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. You know, like, like, you know, poor Megan Kelly, when she was crying the day before she got fired from NBC. And then it was like, so, so, and then it was a pretty easy one. All you had to do was go out and buy some food. And, and I did. And I encouraged hundreds of people to, I, you know, we did all sorts of things. I had, I had our, our readers give us back photos and, and all sorts of fun stuff on that. So I think it's too early to say whether that's, that's something, but you know, plus the guy did nothing wrong. He just said he liked the president. It wasn't like he went up and, right. and was crazy or, or, or calling people names. It was so, so look, I, I hope that it's the beginning of, of, of some of that, but um, it's too early to start, uh, start getting too happy, except, Hey, we got one victory here and that's better than zero. Is the is the but you the cancel culture? I mean, you've seen it from all sides. You were at Fox News for twenty years, and I'm you know Roger Ailes lived through it, and and other guys. Um, uh, O'Reilly was always a target. You watch Tucker is a target now. I mean, it's not exactly the same as the cancel part of it. What, but it's the same kind of witch hunt thing. It, 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 I mean, I guess Ken, you you, uh, you your best advice on on how people need to sort of see this coming and be ready to fight back. 
I mean, part of it is you just have to be willing to take some slings and arrows. Um, you know, back in the day, it hurt the Glenn Beck show when, when he lost a lot of his kind of A-chip advertisers. I, you know, I don't know about Tucker and some of these others, but those things can be effective. So, A, you need to have enough, have enough guts to stand up and just realize you can't be a conservative today without somebody honestly saying that you're, you know, that you're homophobic and that you're racist. And 10 years ago, you would have been like, oh, my gosh, you can't call me that. And now you're like, yeah, OK, whatever. It's Wednesday. It's right. Thursday. It's Friday. <laughs> right, um, um, right. And you got to be smart and you got to be smart about it. But, but, you know, and we as conservatives have to do more. And look, we should. Tucker Carlson is, is now officially a national treasure. OK. And, right, and right. we should go on, and I'm going to do a campaign in the upcoming couple of weeks on here. Let's find his advertisers and either buy stuff from them or send them notes thanking them for, for having the guts to, to stay, stay tough in this cancel culture. I mean, it can't just be the right. pillow guy, although he's, he like <laughs> is yeah. to be funding yeah. a lot of conservative thoughts. But, you know, we, right. we, we have to take the game to that level because conservatives have – we're always good at fighting the, the, the arguing points, but we're never as good and we've never been as good as fighting those upstream battles, taking the battle yep. to college professors and, and administrators, yep. taking the battle to, yep. to advertisers and whatnot. And if we don't start playing that game, we're going to be unhappy. Well, it's a great point. MediaActionNetwork.com. MediaActionNetwork.com. Also on Twitter, at Ken Lacorte, L-A-C-O-R-T-E. Hey, thanks, Ken, for the time. And we'll, we'll check in again. Keep us on, uh, on the, on the uh, email list, and we'll, we'll put uh, work together on some of this stuff. It sounds great. Thank you. Terrific, Ed. Thank you. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Words like all and every can be very nasty words in politics. Phyllis Schlafly made a point of saying that she never told all women to do anything. When the public figures on the left started going around during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings saying we need to believe all women, they should have known that it would come back to haunt them sooner or later. And it looks like we're seeing it sooner. Former Senate staffer Tara Reid made a credible accusation of sexual assault against presidential candidate Joe Biden. Now every one of those feminists have to decide if they're going to denounce their own philosophy or if they're going to support President Trump. As you might imagine, not too many of the feminists are planning to vote for President Trump. Most of them refuse to answer for why they believe the flimsy accusations of Christine Blasey Ford, but don't believe Tara Reid's accusations. Some of them backpedaled by saying that they never really meant to believe all women in the first place. Some said that they're good friends with Joe Biden and that he's an honest politician, whatever that means. However, one feminist leader is being brutally honest about this whole situation. Representative Elon Omar made it known that she believes Reid's accusations, but that she'll vote for Joe Biden anyway. Yep, that's right. She'd rather vote for a man she believes is a sexual predator than to vote for President Trump. She thinks she's being morally consistent by believing Tara Reid, but how can she call herself a spokesperson for women when she ignores an infringement on a woman's most basic right? How can she claim to be a fighter for social justice when she supports the greatest injustice of all? Feminists are reaping the whirlwind they sowed during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. 
In America, all are innocent until proven guilty. When feminists denounced this bedrock principle of our justice system, they opened the door for complete political chaos. America needs to return to this bedrock principle, but not just while a Democrat is under scrutiny. Each of us has to make the choice of which candidate is best suited to uphold the value of liberty and justice for all. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. You've seen the desperation of women's marches, the disgrace of Planned Parenthood, the rise of savvy young conservative women. Radical feminism is heading down a dead-end road. Voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Now, you might think what I'm going to do here in the last segment is talk about Kamala Harris's bad uh, face. Uh, what did she get? So she got, uh, I don't know if it's her face lift or face work. I don't know what they call it anymore. But if you saw the images of Senator Kamala Harris on TV, she looks strikingly different. And uh, so, but what I am told reliably, if you can believe it, is even though if you do a search, you'll see what I mean. She looks, it looks terrifying. It's not a good look. Uh, but it, it, I'm told it's because she must have just had the work done and it will be better looking, if you can believe it, after it, it, it like settles down. I guess there's swelling and things, but strikingly different. I have to say, I've been predicting she'd be the vice presidential pick, but getting like a wholesale uh, facelift, like eyes and her, her like cheek implants and stuff. It doesn't look like somebody that expects to be nominated for vice president because that will be the story forever. But I mean, I, you know, I've never, I, I know enough not to talk about, uh, women's looks. I mean, I just am saying it was a strange thing to do politically if you're in the midst of being considered, uh, very odd for me. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about, remember, I want to go back to what you need to do. And what you need to do are two things today. Number one, you need to become more aware of what the heck is happening in our on our Supreme Court. And I, I this is not a real, this is not my, my big ask. My second one, what you need to do is more important. But it's really outrageous that we're just finding out about uh, this cancer from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And my prediction has been for a long time that we will have a vacancy on the Supreme Court in the next month, by the end of the summer. I, I actually was saying, you may recall, I was saying June 21st. It looks like I may have been right, by the way, because, uh, or I was close to, I was closer to right than I knew, because it turns out Ruth Bader Ginsburg was back battling cancer for the last few months. But I believe there will be a vacancy within the next uh, three or four or five weeks, and we need to be aware of what's going on. So that's one thing. But here's what you need to do, really. This is the important step I'm asking you to take. If you go right now to phyllisschlafly.com slash congress, phyllisschlafly.com slash congress, and I'll put this up on social media, and you click on that website, you will go automatically be redirected to the official page that will help you find your member of Congress. You just put in your zip code and you will get your member of Congress. So I'm asking you, what you need to do today is find out who your member of Congress will be. You'd be stunned. You won't be stunned. But when I tell you this, most people don't know their congressman. Remember when Jay Leno used to do that segment, Jaywalking, where he'd be 
you out on the street and you'd ask people, you know, how many uh, people are on Mount Rushmore, you know, right after the Mount Rushmore speech, or how many people on the Supreme Court, or can you tell me who the vice president is? That's a common one he used to love to do. And people have no idea. Most people don't know who their congressman is. So I'm asking you to go to phyllisschlafly.com slash Congress. You'll be able to put in your zip code and you'll find your congressman or congresswoman. And now I want you to know who that is. And I want you to get ready. We're going to contact that person. You're going to get in touch either by email or phone. But for now, just find out who it is so that you know. Because the number, well, of the top five things you can do in the next hundred plus days, one of them is figure out if your member of Congress needs to be replaced. And if he or she does, you need to start being a part of that solution. And the first step is to know who it is. Again, so it's go to phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com slash Congress. When you click on that link, when you enter that uh, uh, address, it will go to the, uh, redirect it to a website, and then it will put in a zip code and the zip code will tell you exactly uh, who your congressman is. The zip code will reveal that and click on the button and you'll know. And, and that's a, this is the first step. Get to know who that is. There's, you only will have one. You have two senators for your state, but that's even easier to do. But your congressman or congresswoman, your member of Congress, will there be one of them? And I'll tell you this, if your zip code overlaps with two, you might have two on the screen, but you'll be able to figure out which one it is, okay, by your address. But this is an important thing for you. A, an important first step is to know who your member of Congress is so that you can, you're ready, you can tell what they're up to, you can tell what their policies are, you can see if you can influence what they're doing. That This is a big part of what is uh, the next 115 or so days, okay? So please go ahead and do that and track that down. All right. Now, later on this week, we're going to have a series of interviews. We'll talk with just some candidates. We're getting ready to get back into talking to candidates because we're getting close to Election Day. So look forward to that. And you can get all of our interviews by going to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and check out in there. Listen, I'll tell you one more detail. Just before I got on the radio, I saw this. The sheriff of Jacksonville, Florida, is saying the RNC can't meet. And I just got my press credentials for the Salem Radio Network and the Answer San Diego to go down to uh, could do, go down to the convention. So we'll see what happens. I'll give you more details on that. Uh, but uh, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for all of our emails and to find any of these great interviews which we did on the program. Okay. Thank you as always. Our fearless technical director Noah is back in the saddle and keeping me in track, doing great. And Joanna for helping book the show. We'll be back tomorrow night as always. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.